Worship Ministry Catalyst podcast. www.worshipministrycatalyst.com Worship Ministry Catalyst is a networking resource for all worship leaders and worship team members, serving as a catalyst to facilitate worship in the local church. David Lindner and Kevin Cruz. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to... I got the numbers all messed up in the last six podcasts because we were recording <laughs> them out of order oh. and putting them up on, online out of order. So what episode So are this we is at? episode 145. 145. So, so if you've listened to the last like six episodes and you hear me say it's episode 142, but it's listed as 143, it's just because yeah. I've done a poor job at keeping track of the numbers. So, kinda, yeah, we're doing it out of order yeah. a little bit. So, but anyway, welcome to Worship Ministry Catalyst Podcast. We are glad you're here. Um had a lot of great podcasts over the last uh, last couple six eight weeks yep. of podcast. We're going to keep that tradition going. We've started a new tradition now, so we can't back down. <laughs> yeah, we've uh, got to keep the got to keep the good podcast rolling. Yeah, apparently, yeah, apparently having a fantastic guests on our show is now the new norm for yeah. us. So um, I, I don't know what we're going to do from here on out because we might start running out of uh, fantastic guests. <laughs> we'll just cycle back through. Just keep asking them again. <laughs> yeah, but. Um, but uh, we've got another great guest for you to talk to or listen to today. I guess you don't really get to talk, but you will be a part of the conversation. <laughs> um, and that is Rich Kirkpatrick. And um, I just want to share a little bit uh, of my experience with Rich. He has, uh, he's been somebody that's written a lot about worship over the years and uh, has a blog, RK, let's see, the the uh, address change. So um, is it RK blog now? Okay. That's right. That's right. So rkblog.com. And um, so you can go follow his his blog there and get a lot of insights. But um, I followed him for a long time. And then I went through some some trying times at one of the churches I was at. And I was able to talk to him. And he kind of gave me some insight on how to walk through that. So it's been a great resource. And um, he's released a book within the last year uh, called The Six Hats of the Worship Leader. And so we uh, we got to got to get him on the podcast to talk about that. So we're going to just kind of talk about the six hats of the worship leader. But we'll stop for a minute and and let you introduce yourself if you don't mind to our podcast audience. I don't mind, but after hearing <laughs> that you need fa- fantastic uh, guests, I'm I'm hoping I live up to that. No, you you no. definitely you know you are. <laughs> don't sell yourself short, Rich. Uh, yeah, we're honored to have you on on our show. Thank you for being here. Yes. But uh, yeah, I, I really, uh, one of the things that, uh, you know, I've been in a lot of different settings, which just means I've been around a long time, 20 plus years in ministry, um, most of that full time and experienced, you know, ups and downs. I've had, you know, some years of really good success, but I really think, you know, um, the only reason I really feel equipped or qualified to talk with people is because I've, I've had to learn a few things really the hard way. Um <laughs> Some by my own bad choices or are just naivete, and others just because it's the way it is, the biz of of being in ministry and worship leading. And so, you know, I really feel honored to, you know, um, have been a guest uh, uh, teacher at the National Worship Leader Conference mm-hmm. and other places, and they've been encouraging to me. And just this tribe of people has been part of what I've been a part of since I've been blogging like nine years now. Hmm. 
and and uh, so started that nine years ago. Uh, as you know, back then it was called they were called weblogs about right. a decade ago, <laughs> and so I had RK Weblog is like my original. That's my Twitter handle and all that uh-huh. Instagram, but. So I have to keep that. But everyone says this. Everyone who's younger than me, which is a lot more people nowadays, um, <laughs> they say RK Weeblog. So when I, so when I found the domain RK Blog, because Rich Kirkpatrick's blog has always been the name of my site, um, I found it. and It was like a fifteen hundred dollar, two thousand dollar beginning bidding <laughs> domain. And for some reason, I had read the sale wrong, and I put a bid in for like. 85 bucks and the guy felt bad for me or something he says you know what? i'll give it to you anyway <laughs> wow <laughs> it, it, um which so that's a god thing so anyway it's it's great to be part of this online community which yeah. you guys are part of and now i'm currently at this small church which is a lutheran church my first mainline church where i'm a part-time contemporary worship leader and pianist as well um with about 300 people i guess with between three services and um it's uh it's a, just a different season. So, so anyway, it's a little about me. I got, um, you know, I got a dog that's actually from Oregon, the Northwest. Just so you guys appreciate that. Nice. Uh, his name go. is Copper the Dog. <laughs> Copper, Copper the Dog has his own Twitter and Facebook. If you're curious. <laughs> wow. Uh, but, but I have a family of, uh, of four. My daughter is a worship leader herself and singer songwriter Emily with an IE graphic design student should be graduating soon, which makes me feel really old. And my son's 16 and we just got uh, advanced warfare for the Xbox one, which is a lot of fun. <laughs> and, and just so everyone knows, uh, just so I'm not really that cool. I actually have an Xbox one headset on right now yeah. that I'm using. So anyway, that's a little bit about me. And I just love, <laughs> I love the tribe of worship leaders and people who serve the church and anything I can do just to be a friend and encourager and someone to kind of poke a little bit too. That's, that's what I'm here for. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, we appreciate you taking the time to come, come talk to us today and, uh, and share your insight. You know, um, I think there's, I think there's something to be said about being in the trenches like you talked about and, and, uh, and kind of learning, learning from your battle scars, so to speak. You know, we've, uh, we learn a lot when we're going through something. It's a lot. It's a lot easier to learn through the hard stuff, I think, than it is the easy stuff. And um, which I wish it didn't have to be that way, but I think that's how God designed it. So <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be a lot easier if we didn't have to go through hard times, wouldn't it? <laughs> right. No, but but you know, I mean, it's like it's like what what the word says. You know, like those hard times build the perseverance and and perseverance, endurance, and endurance, hope. You know, mm-hmm. and. Um, so yeah, it, I, I appreciate, uh, Rich, thank you just for, uh, sharing some of your journey. Um, because, you know, I think for, uh, for people who are listening, some of our listeners are, are brand new in worship ministry. Uh, some of our listeners have been around for a while. You know, I've been, I've been in worship ministry for about nine years. Um, and, uh, then there's others who maybe are, are more seasoned. And I think the thing I'm hearing you say that I appreciate is that uh, you know as as you continue in ministry, there's going to be those ups and downs. But you know how how do you persevere? How do you be faithful? And how do you even take some of what you learned um, and and use it for good? You know how do you take those bad times and use it for good? And it sounds like you've been able to use your experience to to write some great books. Yeah. So with all that said, let's jump right into the book. Um... The Six Hats of a Worship Leader. Do you want to maybe maybe kind of set up the book for us a little bit? You know what what was it that kind of led you to not just the the material in the book, how you learned the material, but maybe what led you to the need for the book to be written? 
Well, I, I think it all started with a webinar I did with uh, Worship Leader Magazine, and which came from an email to a senior pastor who was struggling with what to do with his worship leader. <laughs> and <laughs> I so how many I wrote, emails like that they get. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and struggling, and so I sent him a letter with un. Wanted advice, I suppose. Um, and I, I tried to describe to him, here are the six different roles that your worship leader has to be in charge of. And here's a way to describe how they're each. And in order to find out what you need next or what you're missing, you have to kind of see what is good, too. And, and so really the idea is there was no language to really describe in my circle of, of people anyway what does a worship leader actually do. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and how then can you um, talk about and troubleshoot? Uh, so really, it's, a lot of it's a terminology. Um, and then how the second thing is then how can you have a productive conversation? So the book wasn't written to say, let's solve those issues, because I'm not that smart, as I say in the book. But the issue is to ha- here's the language for you as adults to go to your leaders, or you as a pastor, go to your worship team and worship leaders, and actually be able, hopefully, to give you um, definitions. Kind of like counselors, you know, they'll, they'll give a couple, here's some words you can use instead that communicate what you really want to communicate. So it's kind of like counseling. Mm-hmm. I look at it kind of as a, a worship therapist for <laughs> um, to kind of get there in the room because I've been in that room for a lot. And I've, mm-hmm. I've made, I've said very stupid things, which, confu- <laughs> which confuse the conversation. And I feel, you know, I don't feel that bad, but I kind of felt bad for a while about, you know, putting myself and my pastor in that. <laughs> and also, you know, pastors who just, they're not trained how to talk to creative people. Right. Um, and so the idea was, how do you have a productive conversation? And then I kind of set it on, if you're not about developing people, I don't, you know, you're not going to have the right conversation. So uh, the, really the book's about those three things. It's about the language, it's about then the right conversation, and it's about the uh, need for developing um, our discipleship, whatever word you mm-hmm. want to use, people. Well, the interesting thing is that there hasn't, uh, there hasn't really been uh, a long history of paid worship pastors in the church. Yeah. You know, there's, and some of the bigger churches and bigger parts of town, they've had you know, music directors who got paid maybe if they were lucky full-time to direct the choir and the handbell choir and the Christmas cantatas and all that stuff. Handbell choir. Right. <laughs> what happened to those, man? <laughs> but there hasn't been. Hey, my church has has a handbell choir. I don't do that. But. No yeah. way. Awesome. Yeah. My, my last church had a handbell choir too. But um, <laughs> we don't. But there hasn't been a long, a, a long time, a long time period where there have been paid, full-time paid worship pastors, worship leaders, and so there's there's still probably a huge lack of understanding uh, for for churches that brought on a worship leader because that's just what you were doing. That's what all the churches were doing, you know, 10, 20 years ago, um, that they didn't really uh, put a lot of work into uh, what that relationship looks like, what the what the job role is going to be, how you're going to work that uh, on a regular basis. And so. Uh, I think I think one of the things that you're probably doing with this book is bringing a lot of clarity and definition to uh, to that, so that there's um, hopefully less strife. <laughs> well, because of yeah, the lack of understanding. Yeah, the strife comes um, any uh, discontent or or conflict comes from when expectations don't meet what reality is, and so if you're using words and language that aren't the reality or the reality that you see. 
you either have to adjust your expectations to reality or adjust to reality to the expectations, mm-hmm. which is generally the worship leader's job, <laughs> is, is to uh, defy the law of physics and, and somehow put on this thing by yourself that really has to be done through other people. So you're right. Um, there hasn't been a language for that. And partly, like you said, it's, it's kind of it's, – it's grown into this interesting role. Um, and that's a whole kind of separate conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really believe, just as a side little bunny trail here, that the role of the worship leader is problematic in how we present it um, in the evangelical church. Uh, we have a problem because we've set such high expectations that I'm not sure they're realistic. And so that's where there's a lot of disconnect. Uh, but you can't really go to that conversation mm-hmm. unless you even understand with what are you actually are doing today. <laughs> and I love to have those, you know, 2020 conversations. Right. But uh, <laughs> here we are in 2014. <laughs> Everyone's working on Christmas. Um, how do you, you know, get did that? So you're right. That's That's really the impetus for what I was hoping. Yeah, everyone's just trying to get through Christmas without getting fired, right? I mean... <laughs> without creating too much strife that you yeah. still have a job after Christmas season is over. Usually, usually Jan- January 2 is when that will happen. Yeah. Or the first <laughs> office day after the new year. Right, right. Yeah, so um so let's get in let's get into the book um and if we can real really quickly um I would just like to kind of talk about the the six hats and then um so I'll just kind of walk us through them and then if you want to explain them a little bit, that would be great. And then after that, we can get into the real, the real unifying tie together factor of the book, like uh, you had mentioned. So the first hat that a worship leader wears is worship leader. Uh, the the individual's role is to be the upfront face as well as an intuitively gifted individual who can engage a congregation. Yeah. So I'm guessing you've played that role in the past. Yeah, and and essentially. All the other roles, the reason why that, that one's mentioned as it is is because that's really what all people see mm-hmm. um, and evaluate. But they don't realize that in order to get that to happen, obviously there's a lot of other things that you look through that lens behind it and you'll see a lot of these other roles. Some are visible and some are not. And that's obviously the most visible thing is can this person on the platform truly engage people mm-hmm. uh, and not just perform, but engage them, right. uh, communi- communicate. Uh, I don't think we evaluate that. Um, we don't train a lot of worship leaders, I think, because uh, in other words, authenticity, to be authentic is actually not a random thing. I'm just going to be authentic and throw up. Mm-hmm. Authenticity is an intention. It's an intentionality. Um, I, I read a, a article by Seth Godin where he brought that point out where to be authentic is actually be extremely plottingly, um, my paraphrase here, uh, intentional. So if you want someone as worship leader, we think sometimes it's just to get up there and worship. But if what you're doing communicates that you're not worshiping, then what do you do about that? Oh, wait a minute, but that's me. No, it's not you. You're a communicator. So mm-hmm. that's where sometimes there's a disconnect and the mm-hmm. pastors will go, well, wait a second. Do you realize that, you know, Rich, when you wear your hat, that that makes these people feel this way. And I'm thinking, that's who I am. I wear a hat, which is cool. And I actually got in trouble for that once. But, yeah. um, <laughs> uh, but the whole point, you know, I had a bad hair day. But it was like, <laughs> it was like okay. Um, so really, a lot of it is how do I communicate? And how do I learn that I'm performing a role? Just like with my wife, I'm performing faithfulness. Or uh, I don't think sometimes as worship leaders, we look at that 
those kinds of communication cues that we say, oh, it's inauthentic because I have to kind of some work at it. And I say, no, it's not. It's not inauthentic. It's communicating. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're communicating, you know, you're using the word blue, but everyone sees, thinks that means green, mm. then are you willing to change the word? Yeah. Even though it's your favorite word. So that's what really that little <laughs> worship leader is kind of defined as. Of course, they got to sing so you can follow them too. It's right. Like, yeah. <laughs> the next hat is music director. The details of music are important and led with the direction of rehearsal, preparation of charts, and supervision of the direction of the sound of the worship team. Yes. Yeah, so I may be great up front, intuitive, people connect to me, but my band may be ready to fire me and lynch me because I am terrible at running rehearsals because I don't know how to help them prepare. So music direction really is about taking that roadmap of what has to happen, having a vision for it as a leader, and then taking people, uh, the personnel and the people to that level of preparation. So oftentimes the one hat of worship leader, I could be like a genius, but this other one I might not be. And, and that's kind of the part of the conversation. A lot of worship leaders might need coaching on that when the reason the Sunday was bad and the transition didn't work wasn't because he's a bad connector with people. It's because he doesn't know how to prepare the, his team. Right. The next hat is tech director. With audio, video, lighting, and setup logistics, both in detail and vision, a leader who takes the vision to the screen or speaker is vital. Yeah, I think vision is very important. What we do with tech people often is we treat them like knob turners, and we don't understand that what we need out of them is vision. Mm -hmm. We need them to solve problems um, at every level. And they love love that, too, which is how they're wired, um, the technical people. And, of course, leading worship involves the technical, if it's too loud, too soft, if, if it's unintelligible, yeah. um, you know, how, how in the world they can't even understand the words, how can they learn a new song? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if the video system is glitching, you get people who have epilepsy, you know? <laughs> so, so that's so important that you have a guy or gal who, a uh, hat that's worn by a guy or gal who can do that. And it's an invisible hat, but it's yet it's seen. So mm-hmm. I might be in the booth or it might be in the week when I'm actually testing cables, <laughs> which it could be $50 cable that saves the weekend. Right. <laughs> uh, the next hat is service producer. During the worship service, the details and the flow need to be managed by a tactful leader. The larger the setting, the more this is needed. I think this one is the most overlooked in all sizes of churches because if, um, you know, uh, this idea of producer, um, the temperature in the room, something's going on right outside the door. Um, there's four or five details that, that I have to know, and I'm a staff member and I'm on stage. And so someone, two seconds comes up to me and says, rich, blah, blah, blah. And then the pastor comes and says, we're going to meet tomorrow morning at six 30, right? And here's the agenda and it leaves. And then I'm going to strum the completely wrong rhythm and chord when I'm starting. And I'm going to be a terrible worship leader, not because I am, but because perhaps I'm not able to multitask. Hmm. So the idea of this role is it's a hat that. If I'm good at wearing it, you know, smaller church, I could see everything, perhaps take some notes, know what's going on and follow up. But, you know, if it's a kind of situation where, you know, back-to-back services and I'm an in here, so someone's talking to me, I don't even know what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Having someone, having a, a hat that's worn, and these are like hats, not necessarily a person, but hats, um, who can do that and then also run cues. And I said tactful because uh, I remember at the Recreate conference a few years ago, we got to meet the, his job as production director. His job is the Grammys. And the Super Bowl. 
Wow. And that's, that's what he produces. So I think he had a lot to say about <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, that. And my question was to him, who do you cast in a production role, in the producer role? And he said, direct and tactful. Hmm. Hmm. So someone, and you know what, if you're a worship leader artist, some of us, if we're pressured, we may end up not being tactful. <laughs> so, sometimes just, you got to be nice sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And, and, but you got to be direct, like, no, this is happening right now. You know, mm-hmm. yes, you go on guest speaker, you know, this is your time. <laughs> no, the microphone is over here on this side of, yeah. of because this is the light thing. That's going to, whatever it is. Right. So, so that kind of, so you got to be direct, but you have to be tactful. And, but so, so service production. And the, obviously if you have multiple services and there's so much going on, your, your eyes aren't the eyes of the congregation. You don't really see that, but yet you're, you have to be empathetic to what they're experiencing because we serve the congregation. Mm-hmm. So it is part of the hat I have to wear as a worship leader is how its service is being produced. Right. All right. So the next hat is programming director. Project manager of the content and details for execution keeps the relationships lubricated with follow through and planning. It uh, shows love and support to have a well-oiled system for your team. Yeah. I think often what happens to many of us creative leaders is we may be good at all the first hats. I can re like I can rewire uh, an audio system if I had to mm. with the schematic, of course, <laughs> and I and I can get people to help me solder. You know, if I if I burn my hand or something, <laughs> and I could do those other roles perhaps. But um, oftentimes, you know, I'm, do I know project management enough to really help something get done? Mm-hmm. You know, people who are successful as worship leaders and worship pastors generally, it's a project every week. Right. 50, 52 projects plus the projects of events mm-hmm. and any other task you do. So it's, if you have multiple styles of worship, like for me, I have basically three projects that I have to work on, two I lead each week for this little church. So mm-hmm. it's, I have to manage when is this done for this person and for this person. So obviously there's tools, you know, like whatever PCO, uh, Pico, you know, a little Pico guy, <laughs> uh, you know, um, whatever it is that you use to organize your project. Um, I used, you know, spreadsheets and Microsoft Access before we had these nice software packages out there now, but it's so important part of the role. And oftentimes a leader, you know, that you work with doesn't see that that, that could be an area you struggle with or you need support with because mm-hmm. – you may be good at it, but if you're doing all these other things, it may be draining you so much that you can't wear this hat to the degree that it needs for the size of your team. Right. And so oftentimes a lot of the conversations will need to be drawn to, okay, pastor, you don't engaging. I'm okay. The band sounds great. Services run smoothly, whatever. But it seems that no one knows when the ser- what the sermon title is. Cause once you give it to me, I don't put it in the right place. <laughs> and so him saying you're a bad worship leader, which he might not say it that way, but however it comes around to get slammed, may really just come come to not being able to troubleshoot where is that weak area. Yeah. And this is one of those, the mm-hmm. programming. And so programming a service is like a, a podcast show. You got to, here's what's going to happen, and here's the date we do it, and here's hopefully Rich shows up shows up online. Because <laughs> it's, it's one of the 20 days out of 365 it rains in Southern California. Will I actually... <laughs> you know, be able to get up out of, out of bed. <laughs> nice. Right. And the last hat is pastor. This leader yeah. keeps the theology, the definition of the win for a weekend and organizational mission alignment in view. Think an executive producer who also leads the shepherding issues of the team. This role gives both spiritual and organizational direction. 
Yeah, I put that one last because what I see happening um, when I talk to a lot of worship leader friends and myself over the years, when I talk to myself, by the way, is, <laughs> is that these five roles, roles and hats are worn and I'm busy helping them get managed. Someone's marriage blows up. Someone is in a hospital. Someone comes and confesses that they've just made a big boo-boo. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much energy do I have left to wear that hat? Right. And if I'm not, if it's not valued as part of my role, which if I'm called pastor or I'm a ministry leader, staff person, whatever the title is, that shepherding hat, obviously, it's kind of unwritten at least if it's not written in, right, to most job descriptions. But yet it's not seen as a quantifiable, here's some time and focus that needs to be on there for that purpose. Uh, a lot of lead pastors in larger churches nowadays, for instance, they're called communicators and they don't have to go to hospital visits. But what if it's right. one of, what if it's your only drummer who's available and it's Easter mm-hmm. and he got his girlfriend pregnant and, and after rehearsal for Easter, you find out and it's Easter Sunday coming. What do you do? Oh. Who shepherd, who shepherds him? Well, this is stuff that's happened to me. And I've heard situations where a lot of people look the other way until they can find a drummer. <laughs> and then they deal with whatever they deal with because there's not been a, a, a systematic or not systematic, but a intentionality to how you shepherd people, develop mm-hmm. the people. And so really let's talk about all these five troubleshoot where we're weak at, but assume that this one is if we don't make space for it, a slot for it, it's not going to get space and airtime. Right. And in my, in my view, it kind of serves to tie all the other five together. You know, you need to be a shepherd, a shepherding minded person to, to be a worship leader, to be a, a tech director or a programming director, you know, whatever the hat is, if you don't approach it with some shepherding, it's probably, uh, you're probably going to fail at that. Mm. <laughs> and the, at least in the church setting, when, when you're working with volunteers who aren't paid to be there, uh, Shepherding, I think, probably needs to be involved in all of those, with all those hats on. Yeah. But um, you you had mentioned, and by the way, I just I just want to say before we before we get uh, further in the podcast that um, it's it's a four dollar book on Kindle. It's like a six dollar book if you want a printed copy. Is it three three dollars? Three on Kindle, iTunes, and Nook Press or Nook, whatever it's called. You can get a digital version. Wow. And, and five ninety nine, you can get it on Kindle as well as my site. Uh, Kindle's the easiest place to find it. Um, also Barnes and Noble. But if you get the Kindle or if you get the Amazon book for five ninety nine, you mm-hmm. also get the Kindle free too. So you can kind of go back and forth if you wow. want. And, that, and that's a great deal. I yeah. mean, for, you know, for for what we're talking about, <laughs> some real practical things. You know, I think for myself, David, and probably a lot of people listening. You know, finding actual, real, practical resources is difficult. So, yeah, I definitely encourage you to to get this. Yeah. There's no reason anybody can't buy that book. I mean, that's, yeah. that's not that's a cup of coffee, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give up a Starbucks for a month, and and you and you probably you probably save yourself the ability to buy Starbucks down the road, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and being a an independent publisher, um, it's it's been really neat uh, to see the reaction from uh, worship people and now past senior pastors, which is really a group of people that are listening right now, I hope, that would get this book. I just went to a church um, in central 
uh, Valley, California, the Central Valley area, very large church, multi-site, everything, and very gifted younger pastor, church of 4,000 plus with, I don't know, multiple campuses. Um, and his light bulbs went on when I walked through the hats with him. Um, and that was really cool. Um, mm-hmm. And like I said, the only reason I, it, you know, I wish I didn't have to cost so much to be an inspiration. Um, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yes, I know what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, so the book may only cost $5.99, but um, 20 years of, of, <laughs> of distillation. And really the only complaint I have is that it's kind of short, but I know <laughs> us worship leaders. I mean, right. You know, it's kind of it's kind of the library in quotations. You can read it in your quote library yeah. um, as as you're sitting in your alone time. Um, <laughs> keep keep the book in there or on your iPhone. And really, that's um, you know, it's only about eighty pages and a little with big big print and some pictures, by the way. And some yeah. pictures. I mean, come <laughs> it's on, good for worship uh, leaders, right? It's it's good. So I really, <laughs> but yeah, I appreciate that uh, that feedback and. Oh, but even. Uh, well, uh, did I hear? I think maybe I saw you post a while ago. They're using it at at a, a, a university somewhere as part of their training for worship leaders. Am I making that up? I heard about that, um, which is cool because it can be available through. If you, if any students are listening, I know you can get it through your normal student uh, libraries. And there's some classes that have have used it, which I, I didn't know about all this. I, I was teaching at a conference, and one a student came to me and says, "Yeah, my professor." His uh, worship class was using your book, and I said, "Really? Wow! Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. I mean, it's, it's just me, you know. I got it. <laughs> I'm not going to say what my GPA was in college, but I made it pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, even you know, especially if you're a student or if you're just starting out as a worship leader, you know, start with this book. Start with a resource of somebody who's been in the trenches for a long time. Learn from what he's gone through and and everything that he can share." And, uh, and you'll be way, way ahead of the rest of us when we started, you know, 10 years ago. That's right. But um, you mentioned, and I want to get into it just a little bit, the pyramid um, of how this all ties together. So I'll just let you kind of uh, dive into that and explain it for us. Okay. Uh, there's a chapter called the pyramid of execution. And on that basically is this pyramid slash iceberg where there are five steps and the last thing uh, on the peak of, the, of, of this iceberg slash pyramid is what's visible, and below it's what's not visible. And the first question that, that has to be answered is, we do a weekend service because blank. Hmm. And I found that over the years, when I've asked this question, I've had blank stares from mm-hmm. some of the smartest senior leaders um, and friends even. Right. To, why do we even do this? Um, I mean, come on. Okay, we go to worship. Well, that's that's not a good answer. Jesus, you know, <laughs> that's not a good answer. Um, wh- why did you do it? And then you have to ask that question. And of course, I can't answer that for anybody because that's due to your theology. And, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, even though I have a theology degree, that's not what the purpose of the book is. It's for you to figure that out with your pastor and your right. leaders. Often in the evangelical realm, these are things that aren't set in a traditional mainline church. It's set pretty much what happens. Here's what the music director does. Here's what, you know, the liturgy will do. Here's a three year liturgical calendar. And here's the roles of people who help put that on and what they do. It's very simple. It's very freeing. But in our evangelical world, which has been most of my life, there is not really, um, this question is hard to answer because it requires 
a, a definition clarity in order to get past it. Mm-hmm. But once you can have that conversation, um, which I know most senior leaders know why, for some people they see the weekend as, let's say North Point's good at defining it, just using them as an example mm-hmm. from Andy Stanley's church and North Point is in uh, Atlanta area. Um, catalyst, if anyone wonders who they are. But they, what they do um, is they have these different venues, they call them. And they have a kitchen and a foyer and the, and the living room. And so they view the weekend service as kind of a place where people get to kind of get familiar with Christianity and change their mind about it. So they don't really view it as a worship service. Mm-hmm. Like, like, say, a Lutheran church would say, this is liturgy and you have the Eucharist and this is, this is what this is for. So it's very clear for them. It's as clear for them as it would be for a liturgical church. Right. Some people may not agree with that, but it, that's not the point. It's agreeing or not. It's knowing, do you have, this is why we do this. Is it to simply experience the presence of God? But, but what does that mean? <laughs> you know, um, that's, you know, it, you got to define it uh, biblically and in a way that's objective so that as a worship leader, you and your pastor can lock arms and the whole leadership team can lock arms and not have that question. But you can't build a worship ministry without being a question mark. Right. Because then it's very difficult. And this, this recent uh, consulting gig I did, the church, they went back on a retreat, the lead team, the three of them, and they came up with a list of elders, I think, as well. Here's why, you know, they came up with their mission statement, which is pretty clear. But then they also came up with these values, which is the second building block. Well, now that we know what this is, what are these actual clear things that we want to say we're about? Weekends should be fun, just as an example. Or (laughs) excellence represents our heart or something like that. It's a value. So, you know, it's somewhat not as objective, but it's idealistic. But yet you have to somehow all know what it means. So, and then the next thing on there is people who, it's like, who am I and who, who are we? So like our target is serving our congregation and our community and, you know, you guys are in Northwest. So what's your city like? You know, what's the people like? Who are you? And how, where's the connection and disconnect? You have to talk through those things. For instance, a simple way that what that solves is going to your worship team and they're complaining about doing that song a million times and you say, well, you know what? The who of who we are is to, um, Lead worship, and we is our job to help them worship. So this song helps them worship, mm. and that's our first role. My second role then is to help in who you are as the person who does that. But the purpose of this church is not so that you get to play your favorite song, right? <laughs> so as you can see, you get up the ladder, and then as you get up the, this this pyramid to tools. Well, based upon our values, excellence, you know, I, I'm gonna, you know. For my podcast, get a really cool sure mic, broadcast mic with a neat boom arm, and make sure it's it's done right, you know. Um, and then I'm going to use the tool of this modern worship because it's what communicates well. Mm-hmm. And then there's this thing called the visible layer. What's visible, and this is what is the product that everybody sees, not just the leaders and you. Right. And that's then. So once then everybody has this conversation building up to that, mm-hmm. you're, then you're able to, instead of hearing from the past, the slide was missed, uh, this lady was out of tune, you sure she's the right person. Instead of having these kinds of conversations only about the visible, when you can help lead your leader to walk you through those value, the, the purpose and values and then the target and the who, et cetera, then you can set budgets better then you can see priorities better, and then you can have conversations about what to fix first. 
because you can go back to past our tools are the reason why she's out of tune is because we've been using an auto tuner for a year and it broke. And you <laughs> and you said the, that we can't spend any more money. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, you know, I mean, yeah, right. I, uh, by the way, I do know some people who actually use auto tune <laughs> for their worship team. God bless you if you do. Uh-huh. Uh, for my sake, if I go to your church, but um, anyway, so that's kind of the idea of the pyramid, though. It's, yeah. it's and these are hard. They take time and passion and energy and patience. And we have to really hold our leader's hand through and say, you know what, Pastor? We need to know why we do this service. Hey. Pastor, we need to know what you value because how am I going to teach younger worship leaders, the guys who lead youth and the girls who lead our youth group, to be our next worship leaders if I don't even know what our values for worship is? Mm-hmm. How are we going to help this church plant or a sister church in our denomination find a worship leader if we don't know what values we have and to discuss with them. So as you can see, it's a fundamental, it's a fundamental um, issue that's not addressed because, again, we don't have history in the evangelical church for, uh, or, or we have multiple histories that are all over the place. Mm-hmm. So each church really has to come back and define that stuff. Yeah, yeah you know, I, you know, from experience, uh, as the lead pastor now, we at our uh, staff retreat this past January, so almost a year ago now, uh, we were asking those questions, and and I asked, I said, "What's the point of our worship service?" And nobody knew. <laughs> you know, nobody, nobody had an answer to that question, and I didn't have an an answer for what what you know what was the win? You know, using the Andy Stanley terminology, what's the win for the worship service? How do we know um, if we're doing? On Sunday, what we sh- what we should be doing, what we plan to be doing, what the point of of six eight church is doing on Sunday, and and it took us probably probably four months to come up with with an answer to that question, um, and and we're still kind of uh, even over over the last several months have been refining a little bit because we try it for a little while and decide well that's not quite uh, what we what we had in mind, so we're we're constantly refining refining that. But if we don't know what that is, I don't have any way as the pastor to go to our worship leader and say, uh, no, you know, these, these songs that you've been choosing don't fit in, uh, the model that we're trying to create or, or when you, when you, uh, just stand up there and sing and you don't interact with the audience, which is what I always did as a worship leader. I was more, I was always more of a song leader than I was a worship leader. So, um, if you're not interacting with the audience and that's not helping us with, with the purpose of our worship service, if I don't know what those purposes are, I can't have those conversations. I just get frustrated because of whatever, you know? And so I think that's a lot of wisdom that you bring, bring to the table in that conversation. Yeah. I really, I really think that's probably the, the best um, tool in the book. And I've used that very, very often just to have conversations just like this. Hmm. Very good. Well, we are just yeah, about, about out of time, time here, so, but uh, do you have a final word of of encouragement that you'd like to like to share with our audience, with us as worship leaders and pastors? Well, I do think you should buy my book. I have a girl in college, so uh, <laughs> buy the book. Uh, buy, buy the book, multiple copies. It's Christmas, but on Amazon actually has sales, so you can bundle, you can do all that. Oh, but yeah. no, yeah. But, uh, my encouragement to you is: don't be afraid to have the tough conversations. And many of you guys uh, out there who are younger. You, you may have more, uh, there's master's degrees now, master degrees in worship leading right. and stuff, and they're great to have. So you may be coming with so much ammo, um, but my, um, my advice is walk through it, though. Put that in the drawer for a while. 
and any of us, even us experienced guys, and try mm-hmm. to walk through with your senior team and your senior leader, whoever it is, together with those questions about your your roles and how to get roles. Because some of you are overtasked, you have so much going on, on your plate, and you need to find out what it is that's keeping you. Mm-hmm. And it could be that you're wearing a hat you're not supposed to wear because the the kind of motto of the book is you can wear a hat, share a hat, or give a hat away. Mm-hmm. And and oftentimes, you know, we need to be willing in different seasons to give away or to walk away from or to share something. And, you know, I enjoy sharing the worship leader spot, you know, with um, a person when I'm even on the platform or mm-hmm. whatever. So I think that's my encouragement is walk through, um, don't, don't use all your ammo um, <laughs> because I know I've been there. I made that mistake uh, <laughs> to talk with your leaders. Just honestly, that question, like what's the point of the weekend? Uh, what, what do we really want to see? happen right and if you're allowed to do if you allow your pastor to walk into that conversation judiciously and humbly and tactfully you may get the goal that you're looking for to be motivated to really take your church to the next level Mm. cool stuff well as we as we finish up would you uh, give our audience the ways they can follow you get in touch with you and uh, and stay stay up to date with your books that are coming down the road and other things yeah, you could find me, of course, on Facebook, Rich Kirkpatrick. Just put that in you'll, on Facebook. Or RK Blog is my website. And then my Twitter and Instagram and Tumblr and everything else that you could probably find me on Pinterest even. Mainly Twitter is RK Weblog. It's RK Weblog. <laughs> we blog. We blog. We do blog. In the third person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, thank you so much for for your time. Thanks for writing the book. Thanks for sharing your wisdom with us at a very cheap, affordable rate. You know, I think there's really no reason we shouldn't get that book and and digest it and make it a part of our our worship ministry. But we appreciate your time. Um, That's all the time we have. So for us, if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us online at www.worshipministrycatalyst.com, facebook.com slash Worship Ministry Catalyst, twitter.com slash WM Catalyst, or you can send an email to David at Worship Ministry Catalyst.com. Or Kevin at Worship Ministry Catalyst.com. And you can leave a voicemail at 360-818-4339. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.